Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. We all recognize it when we see it. Cultural appropriation. I think various cultural traditions are taken. And I think that's the key word, taken. Taken, but there's nothing given back. I ask everybody to learn about the sage and how to use it before thinking that taking a match or a lighter to it is the way to go. It's not just Americans anymore. It's becoming increasingly harvested in large quantities for commerce. In other parts of the world, is it really worth doing something that has a bad effect on other people and other living things? You've probably seen them in shops little bundles of silver sage leaves tied with a piece of string. Maybe you bought one of these smudge sticks, as they're commonly called. But the skyrocketing popularity of smudging is causing a problem. I've asked people, do you use white sage? And they'll say, I don't know what that is. And I'll say, do you smudge? Do you burn the smudge bundle? Oh yeah. I, I, I use that. Those are voices from the documentary Saging the World. And our guests today spoke with many of them. This is Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Each week, we explore the questions you send us about Phoenix and beyond. I'm Kaylee Monahan, your producer on this Indigenous Peoples Day. And in this episode, we are finding out why sage sticks have become so popular and how that popularity is devastating native and ecological needs. I've heard about sage poaching off and on over several years. You know, I am from a California tribe. So when I go home to California and I'm meeting with my fellow Cali natives, I've been hearing dribs and drabs about how the sage is being poached and the alarm that a lot of Native people have had because it used to be somebody would go out and pick a few sprigs here and there and nobody really cared. Now it's being done wholesale. This is Deborah Curl. She is the Indigenous Affairs reporter at the Arizona Republic. It was her investigation into SAGE that first alerted me to the problem with the plant's popularity. The California white sage is a very sacred herb. 
and is used for ceremonies, it's used for prayers, it's used for various medicinal purposes. The plant is known to produce a wonderful clean scent. Just bruising the leaves will cause it to release its herbal smell. It is also commonly burned or even turned into an essential oil. In addition to being used in ceremonial practices, native Californian peoples will also brew the leaves to make a tea that they say helps with sinus issues. The practice of smudging is taking a bundle of sage sprigs, lighting it on fire so it creates an incense-like smoke, and wafting it around your home. You know, a lot of people use its antiseptic properties to clean out their homes. That's where a lot of the smudging that you see that the New Age wellness practitioners do, they think they're cleaning out the psychic energy. In reality, they're cleaning all the nasties out of their house. They just don't know it. But somehow or other, the wellness community, probably through the old hippies, learned about sage. And at first it was okay. Like I said, it it was just, you know, they would go out and get a few sprigs and everyone said, hey, you know, share and share alike. But then it became an international craze. California white sage's popularity has exploded due to social media. Influencers and Hollywood celebrities have not only co-opted the smudging practice, but they have been showing it off on their social channels and TV shows and hyping it up to viral levels. There was actually a show with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin where they were smudging regularly on air. And people see that and they think they need to do it because after all, the Hollywood stars do it and social media influencers do it and wellness practitioners do it, well, it must be good for me, too. And that show with Fonda and Tomlin? It's Grace and Frankie. What is up, beautiful people? I'm going to be talking about some of the many benefits of smudging or burning sage. And it's been used by indigenous peoples uh, for a very long time to purify themselves spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and also physically, and also their spaces, traditionally used in sweat lodges. So if you're ever feeling stuck or down, you might want to try burning sage to sort of clear your energy and lift your spirits. The viral status of smudging kick-started a sage craze. Groups of people saw that there was money to be made and started culling large swaths of land for California white sage, both in the state of California and in Baja, California, in Mexico. All those are cuts, you know, cuts here. This stuff should be, I mean, look, this is a new one, but they they won't let it go long enough. They'll just, when it leaves out, they'll cut it. The more you keep cutting it, it's like a tree. If you top it, you've stunted its growth forever. And it's never gonna get big anymore. It's gonna stay like, just like this small stuff here. They gotta quit cutting. Poachers are going wherever they can find the sage and taking the entire plant. Some enterprising people decided they were just going to go out to the preserves and they were going to go out 
and some, sometimes the people's private land, sometimes the tribal land, and just take what they want and sell it. And it's become, as one detective told me, almost a cartel. I mean, there's, we're talking millions and millions of dollars in poached sage. And you would think this little plant wasn't worth much, but a little one ounce smudge stick can cost up to $10. And you multiply that by how many millions of sage sticks are being sold, and you can see the magnitude of the problem. Deborah says that investigators have caught poachers loading up 55-gallon drums and enormous duffel bags with illegally collected sage. And it really is like a cartel, with grunts at the bottom doing the collecting and getting paid the least, and kingpins at the top raking in the money. After the sage is collected and processed for either smudge sticks or essential oils, it's sold to your local shop. According to some of the people who are addressing the situation, at least 90% of the retail sage comes from a poached source. So it's a 9 out of 10 chance that sage stick is coming from a poached field. Although not all sage is illegally collected and sold, Deborah spoke with one farm that legally raises California white sage for sale, but such farms are not so common, and their produce makes up only a fraction of what's on the shelves. In order for you, the consumer, or you, the retailer, to really, really be sure, it's not enough for them to say, oh, it comes from a sustainable source. You need to start asking questions. What is the name of the farm or the supplier you're getting it from? And then you need to call that supplier and say, where are you getting it from? And if they don't give you the right answers, don't buy it from them. On top of the cultural significance of sage, it plays a huge ecological role. It's an important pollinator species for native bees, and bees are already in trouble. So if they have less food, there's going to be less bees, there's going to be less pollination going around, which means there's going to be less food for everybody. So these people are you know, taking a little short-term gain and causing long-term environmental and ecological damage and damage to our food supply ultimately. And then there's the fact that the sage also is a protector species. A lot of the smaller animals live in its shadow. And so when the sage is gone, they don't have anywhere to live. And then you've also got the problem of water runoff because when you don't have any plants holding down the soil, you know, it does occasionally rain pretty hard in Southern California. And when those rains come and there's no, no roots to hold the water back, now you've got more problems with erosion and mudslides and floods and inability to hold in water. A lot of, of watersheds depend on plants like sage and other plants to retain that water and then release it slowly. So you can see why this is a big problem. There's a mounting frustration among American Indians with people just taking traditional practices and mimicking them without understanding them. This includes smudging. 
there's a huge increase in cultural appropriation. People see stuff on, on the web and they think it belongs to them. And it really does not belong to them. You know, it is the same thing. I wouldn't walk into a Jewish synagogue and start, you know, chanting in Hebrew. That's not my religion. Even if I went into a synagogue, I would make sure I was, I knew what I was doing first and then present myself simply as a guest, not as a practitioner, because that would be wrong. So should non-natives stop smudging? It depends on who you talk to. Deborah says there are some natives who prefer that non-tribal members do not use any native practices in their lives unless they've been initiated into the sacred rites. Others are more open, but they want people to know what they are doing and understand the prayers and practices that go along with rituals like smudging. There is a way to approach this and a way to do it in the right way. And there are certain practices where you need to just step back. Again, we'll, we'll go back to the Jewish synagogue. You know, there are some things that happen in there that I should not be participating in because I'm not a member of that faith. And it's the same thing. It's a cultural and religious respect. And you need to show respect. The same as I would show respect to other religions and not go over that line then the right thing for those people to do is show respect to Native religions and not cross the line where where they're told the line is. Deborah says that when it comes to American Indian cultures, some non-Natives tend to think that they have the right to take whatever they want from the Indigenous society. I think a lot of it has to do with how they've been taught history. The first thing they think is, there's no more Indians. Oh, they're all dead. And when they do encounter an actual real Native person, then what the next thing that they start talking about are all the problems in, in the tribal communities. Then there's the fact that, again, going back to history, they think that because they have conquered the tribes, that, that, that entitles them to the spoils of war. This is my personal opinion, but I have heard this from other people, is that They just think that they own everything and they can take what they want. And it's a settler colonial attitude towards, it's there, I'm going to use it. The next time you think about buying a sage smudge stick, stop and ask where it was sourced. Also, ask yourself, do you understand the cultural significance and use of smudging? Are you just doing it because an influencer recommended it? It's something to consider as we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. But it's not something you should just forget about when the sun sets. Deborah put it best. Personally, I'm not a fan. But, you know, I'm the Indigenous Affairs reporter. 
For me, every day is Indigenous Peoples Day. That said, there are some people who really like to think about these issues on these certain days or, you know, November's coming up, Native American Heritage Month. That's always a possibility. But I would say it's a good start. Start to learn about your friendly local neighborhood tribes on Indigenous Peoples Day, but don't leave it there. You know, keep expanding your knowledge. Go to tribal cultural festivals open to the public. Read books. Go to places like the Herd or Pueblo Grande or a tribal museum where you can learn more about culture and history and talk to people and become more aware of these various issues and what you as a, an average ordinary person on the street can do to help support tribes and tribal cultural practices. Because at the end of the day, keeping these ecologies in good shape benefits not just Native people, it benefits everybody. You can read Deborah Kroll's entire investigation on sage poaching at azcentral.com. And we want to hear from you. Send us your questions about Phoenix or Arizona to valley101 at azcentral.com. And if you liked this story, I encourage you to go back and listen to our other episodes. You can find Valley 101 wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. You can also support this show and all the work we do by subscribing to azcentral.com. I'm producer Kaylee Monahan. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.